The New York Times called him one of the most, let's see, where is it in my notes? Oh, here's what they said. One of the most acclaimed and influential personalities of the computer and internet era. And most of you have never even heard of him. In today's episode, what I want to share with you are three takeaways that I have, that I've made so far about leadership, how to lead in a book that he read that I, or, or a book that he wrote that I'm reading, I'm devouring it. Holy cow, is it good? That's what I want to talk to, uh, talk about and share in this episode of the Decide to Lead podcast, the podcast for those who've made the decision to lead and are now looking for ways to more effectively influence others so they can accelerate the results they've got to deliver. I'm Russ Hill. Welcome in. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. We are all paid At the end of the day, we're paid to deliver results, right? And it was years ago when I I was rated the worst manager, (laughs) the manager with literally, no, that's for real. I joke about it now or I laugh about it, but it's real. I was rated the worst manager in our entire national company. With, you know, over a thousand employees, no leader had a more toxic culture than I did. And it was at that moment that I realized when I was, when I, when I got those scores back from our employee engagement survey, it was in that moment that I realized, oh, how you lead, how you lead matters. In fact, it matters more than focusing on what you deliver. You have to start with how you lead. And the word I now use to describe that is this one word, culture. Strategy is what you deliver. Culture is how we as a team or an organization deliver it. And what I'm doing right now is sharing on LinkedIn and in a private Facebook group every couple of days on LinkedIn every day on the private Facebook group. It's a few times a week. I'm sharing lessons, tips, videos on how to lead your culture. How do you define it and how do you lead it? If you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, click on, tap on the link in the show notes, which you can just swipe up or swipe over to get access to. Tap on the link to my LinkedIn profile, connect with me or follow me. And if you're not a part of the private Facebook group, hundreds have joined in just the last uh, few weeks, um, then click on or tap on the link in the show notes for the private Facebook group. Okay, let's get into today's episode. His name is Andy Grove. Have you ever heard of him? Like most of you haven't, right? Like Andy Grove, Andrew Grove is his full name. And Andy Grove is, uh, did you know that Time Magazine named him the man of the year. When was that? Let me look here when it was. I want to say like in the 80s. Bum, 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 bum. Let's see. Time of the year. Nin- no, way later than that. Of course it was in the 80s because computer and internet era was uh, was really the 90s. Okay, so, or that's when it started, right? So 1997, Time Magazine chose Andy Grove as the man of the year for being, and I'm going to read this. I'm reading off my computer screen here, for being, quote, the person most responsible for the amazing growth in the power and the innovative potential of microchips. Okay, so that's what Time Magazine thought about it. Andy Grove, his story is remarkable, you all. He he escaped, uh, well, he, he survived the Nazi Holocaust, 
and the, the, and the Soviet invasion of Hungary, where he was born and raised, and then he escaped and got into the United States. He came to America speaking like a few English words, and he had massive hearing loss, and he went to work on building his life. And he ultimately rose. I mean, it's the ultimate rags to riches story, which is what we love about America, right? These kinds of stories. And so he, for those of us in America, and I've realized I have to constantly remind myself, we got people all over the world that are listening. So it's one of the things in America that we pride ourselves on is the ability for anyone to rise from rags to riches, right? So many great American stories. And Andy Grove is one of them. He became the CEO and ultimately the chairman of Intel which makes obviously computer chips. And not only that, but the companies and technology they acquired, nobody or very few people have been able to grow companies the way Andy Grove did. So why have you not heard about him? Well, if you haven't heard about him, it's most likely because you don't work in Silicon Valley. All the, the, the CEOs, all the major leaders, all the venture capital folks, people who've made fortunes working and living in Silicon Valley, working in the, in the tech sector, they know who Andy Grove is. And he's written a couple of books on leadership, and there are a few slides that the way I got introduced to him was in the work at our firm, there was a slide in a deck that was sent to me. Hey, Russ, when I initially joined our firm, hey, Russ, this is the deck you're going to want to use, the PowerPoint deck, when you go meet with clients. This is the initial deck. and it, So here are a bunch of slides you're going to want access to. This is our intellectual property. Well, in, in, in that set of slides, there were a bunch of them, right? And one of them was a quote from Andy Grove. And it, it talked about how there's this moment when it, every company gets to this critical moment where they either have to rise, right? They have to admit that they've got to innovate. Basically, here's what the quote says. You, there's this moment when you have to decide that you're going to innovate and otherwise you're going to shrink and die. Okay. And um, that's the short, short version of it. I'd never heard of Andy Grove. I read that quote. I'm like, who is that? Why are we quoting him? Shouldn't it be like a Steve Jobs quote in here or Jeff Bezos or somebody else that people know? And, and anyway, that's how I got introduced to Andy Grove, first heard his name. And then um, over the last several years, I've, with some of the clients that we have in the technology space in Silicon Valley or that are massive retailers online, can you guess their, <laughs> their names? Um, some of our clients talk about Andy Grove. They quote from him. And so I decided, you know what? I need to dig into this guy's life more than just a quote that was on a random slide in a deck that was given to me. And so I've started to read some books and I keep re coming across people who are, who are, um, have a ton of respect for him. And Andy passed away just a few years ago. I want to say four years ago, um, in his late seventies. And, um, and so long story short in this moment of COVID-19 crisis, disaster, nonsense, oh, please let this end sometime soon, right? In this, in this period of COVID-19 where I'm not on flights as much, I'm not crazy, hectic with travel, I'm trying to invest more time in personal development. I'm spending more time um, trying to better myself and improve myself. And, and so one of the things that I'm doing is reading a lot of books and listening to more podcasts. And I found some really good podcasts and some really good books. I'll share more of them in the weeks and months ahead. But one of them, 
you know what? I don't even know the name of this book. I better look it up. Do you guys, by the way, this is a hack that if you don't know this, this is awesome. One of the things I love about Kindle, reading on a Kindle, is um, you know how you can just tap on your finger and then drag on the sentence? So I can just tag on uh, tap on the first word in a sentence and then drag my finger, and it just automatically highlights that sentence or that paragraph, which I love. It's so easy. The, the other thing I love about it is I can go on my computer or iPad or any device and I can go to a web page on, on your Amazon account and it shows you all the highlights from that you've ever highlighted in any book you've ever read on, on a Kindle. Did you know that? I hope you know that. So like right now, my computer screen is the page. If you go to read.amazon.com, read.amazon.com and you click through there, you'll find the page, but it's the, or, or just Google like Kindle highlights, whatever. And so I'm looking at, um, I'm just over halfway through this book by Andy Grove, which by the way is called high output management, high output management. And, um, and I'm halfway through 50% is what the Kindle said last night when I was falling asleep in bed, reading at around 11 o'clock and 50% through the book, the, the page on my computer right now shows me that I've highlighted 117 sections of the book, 117 sentences or paragraphs I've highlighted in 50% of the book. That means it's good. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm getting a ton of value out of it. And so, um, the, I'm not necessarily suggesting you read it. I'm going to share some highlights and, and, and do some further digging in some future episodes. And by the way, there's three, I think there's three or four sections to the book. The first section is a disaster. Like it's miserable. I read it. I'm like flipping through. And then I started tapping, you know, how you tap on the Kindle and it moves to the next page or you swipe over and, and I would swipe, 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 swipe. I'm like this book. Oh my gosh. Why are people recommending it so much? Why, why have I had multiple um, CEOs re- reference it to me or recommend it to me? And I'm like, I'm going through the first section. There's, there's some decent parts to it, but it's not very good. And he's talking all about manufacturing companies. And I'm thinking, okay, this, and he talks about building a breakfast factory and I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to track with them, right? Like, okay, I'm trying to get the value out of this. And I'm struggling as somebody who's not in manufacturing reading this. And it was really hard for me to, um, to get the lessons out of it. I got a few things, but not a ton. Then I got to section two and I went, hello, this is the section I needed. And it was highlight, 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 um, sentence after sentence after sentence. So high output management, one of the books by Andy Grove. Let me tell you three things that I took away from this book. Take, I've taken away so far. You guys are going to love this. You're all going to love it. Okay. Number one, Andy Grove, who, he calls people managers, not leaders. I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't like the term manager. Uh, there's so much negative to it. And, uh, in my view, and I like the term leader because I think it's leadership as a choice. Obviously the name of this podcast is around that. You don't choose to be a manager really. I mean, I, I can make you the manager of some people. It doesn't mean you're going to lead them. And to me, there's a significant difference in someone who's chosen to be a leader and someone who's a manager. And lots of different people have, have made that distinction and they make it in different ways. I like the way I make it and how those, what, what the difference between those two words are in my mind. But anyway, he uses the word manager, so we're going to go with it. And what I hear him describe 
describing as a, is a leader. And this book really is, okay, after all these years as an incredibly successful CEO, growing these companies, acquiring them, working on and, and doing all this stuff and having amazing results as a leader and developer of people, he decided to write a couple of books or some books sharing kind of his, his playbook. So as you read this book called High Output Management by Andy Grove, you realize you're, what you're really reading is his book to his leadership team. That's what it really is. It's like his book to leaders in his industry. And, uh, and so I, I, I love picking the brains of smart and successful people. And because Andy Grove's dead now and I can't have dinner with him or lunch with him, but even those who are alive who've written books, because I'm not going to have access to a lot of them, I can't have dinner, I can't go over to their house and meet with them. You just don't have access to people like that, right? But they, many of them have written, they, they share what's on their mind and in their brain and Andy Grove's done that. And so I love picking his brain. Well, he says, here's one of the three takeaways that I'm going to share in this episode. The first one is three roles of a manager. This is so good. Wow, I've thought a lot about this in the last few days if I, as I've read this section of the book. Here are the three roles of a manager in his mind or three roles of a leader as I define it. Number one, share information. Number two, oh, excuse me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a different order here. So the three roles of a manager or a leader. Number one, get information. Number one is get information. Number two, share information. Number three, decision-making. And he breaks that decision-making down into two kind of categories. And I'll dive into that more in just a second. I'm trying to make by you all, by the way, you all, I'm trying to make these podcast episodes shorter. So you can just get, because I, I, I know you got like 10, 15 minutes. You don't have 30 minutes anymore. And I used to pride myself on only a 30-minute episode. Now I think the sweet spot is 15 or 20 minutes. Do you all agree with that? Like if you, if you disagree with that, will you direct message me on whatever social media platform or send me an email on russhill.com, wherever you want to go. Um, the best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn and then just connect with me and then send me a direct message. And uh, many of you do that. And, and so is, is 15 minutes, 10 minutes, the, the sweet spot? I think it is now. So I'm trying to go from 30 minutes to like 10 or 15, because I think that's easier for all of us to listen to. So I'm not going to go way into depth on these three takeaways from this book. Um, as much as I'd like to in, in, because of time. So three roles of a manager, get information. And he talks a lot in the first section of the, or the second section of the book. First one sucks. Remember second section, he talks about, you know, leaders are only, or managers are only as good as the information they have access to. And so he talks about using meetings to get information. He's a big fan of meetings. I am not. And, uh, but, but he makes a, he makes a case for them and he says, you know, whether you're walking the plant floor or interacting, um, management by walking around, or it's a meeting, your job is to get information. The, the more distance there is between you and the customer and the front lines, the less information you have and the less effective you are as a manager. So get information, super critical. Number two is share information. So I, I, I love how he talks about like one-on-ones and, um, this will apply to those of you that have, you know, bigger organizations or in corporate America and uh, or, or have the practice of one on ones. He makes a big case for one on ones. You can agree or disagree with it, but it's really interesting to hear why he's passionate about that. But he talks about how in the one on one, the leader should never set the agenda ever. It should be the direct report. And that you should never do the one-on-one in the leader, the, the, the supervisor or a CEO or whatever. The, the, the senior leader should never host the one-on-one in his or her office. It should be in the junior person's office because of the information you're able to get 
by walking back when we used to work in the same buildings, walking over to their office or or logging in with them or whatever it might be. And uh, and so and then you use those one on ones or the interactions with your employees, your direct reports to share information. And, and the way you're able to get your employees to be effective is in, in, in part of it's affected by what information you choose to share with them. Your employees or the members of your team are only as effective as the information you're giving them access to. Really, really interesting. Wish I had more time. The last one is decision making. And he, he, he summarizes this or categorizes your impact as a leader on decisions in two ways. I love it. He says you either make or nudge decisions. It, I love that word nudge. I love it. Um, so you either make the decisions or you are nudging them. You're influencing them, right? Okay. I got to go to the second area. Okay. So three roles of a manager, so much packed into this book that maybe I'll share more in a future episode about the second category uh, or takeaway. I want you to, to, to get out of what I read is leverage. He uses this word leverage a ton. And he says, you know, how a leader or manager chooses to spend their time affects their leverage in an organization. He uses that word in a positive way that and the and the leaders or managers who are, are choosing to spend time on high positive leverage activities have the most impact. And so what he says about leverage is um, think about something you could do today, how much leverage does that activity have in moving the output? And moving the results we have to to deliver as a team or an organization. So I might choose to spend two or three hours on a low leverage activity. It means I'm going to this meeting that's going to barely, if at all, impact our results. That is a low leverage activity. Or I'm I'm going to work, I'm going to choose today to to work on this project or kind of shut myself out from any noise and get a lot done on this project. That's a high leverage activity. You are really going to impact results by investing time on that. And so he goes through and he talks about email and he talks about all these different things and how they're low leverage. And I just found it super interesting. A couple of additional quotes or thoughts under the category of leverage. He says, negative leverage comes from waffling. Isn't that good? When leaders waffle on issues, they are creating negative leverage in the organization, wasting so much time, not affecting the results. And in fact, they are affecting them, but in a negative way. So there are leaders who have negative leverage. Totally true, right? Can't you relate to that? Like, yeah, they're, they're holding us back or negatively affecting the results. He says the lack of a decision is the same as a negative as no decision. Let me double check that. I want to double check my notes on that. Lack of decision. What did he say there? Lack of Yeah, the lack of a decision is the same as a negative decision. No green light is a red light. So so often what we hear from our large corporate clients, you know that we consult, you you go in and you hear leaders talk about gosh, we can't make decisions or that leadership team or that CEO or that person, we're so slow or they're so slow in making decisions. No decision is a, it's not only not a green light, it's a red light. So you're, you're, there's negative um, leverage associated with that, right? Okay. And, oh, I like this too, this quote, um, the depressed and waffling manager can have virtually unlimited negative leverage on an organization. 
Isn't that true? He talks about the word depressed. The reason um, he's got that in there is he talks about um, leaders who aren't motivated or, and, and the word he uses is depressed, which is really interesting to think about. The depressed, meaning not motivating people, not empowering them, not not um, get, riling them up to, to, to want to achieve results. The depressed and waffling manager can have virtually unlimited negative leverage. Wow, is that true? Man, have I experienced that. Have I seen that um, in so many places? Okay, then the last takeaway as I wrap up this episode is actually not from Andy Grove, but the guy who wrote the foreword to the book. His name's Ben Horowitz, which I'm, uh, wow, I've dug into Ben, another person that I'm really gaining a ton from listening to and reading during this COVID-19 era when we can, we've got more time to, to, to develop ourselves or anyway. And, and so Ben wrote the, the intro, the foreword to the book. And Ben is, uh, he's real well known in the Silicon Valley area too. Huge investor made a gazillion dollars. And, uh, anyway, um, a very smart guy. And he wrote a book on culture about a year, year and a half ago that I just started reading as well. Um, and it's just incredible, but, um, yeah, wow, I got so much to share. I think I might, in an upcoming episode, play a clip from Ben and a an interview he did with the CEO of Lyft, of Lyft, you know, the uh, the ride-sharing service, and he was talking about the Uber culture, which some of you are aware of all the challenges Uber had, and really, which really gave birth to Lyft, it caused them to be able to increase market share quite a bit within the last 12 to 24 months. But Ben Horowitz, in the intro, he said something that I thought was so interesting. This is what he said. He said, uh, in, in culture, employees either get rewarded for caring or not caring. Isn't that interesting? Think about the culture of an organization that you lead, you work in, you've been a part of in the past. Employees either get rewarded for caring because you care about things, you're passionate about them, you're trying to solve problems, you're trying to innovate, you're trying to adapt, you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to help the company move forward. Employees either get rewarded for caring or they get rewarded for not caring. Haven't you seen that? Man, have I seen that? Teams and organizations where you are rewarded for not caring. I thought that was such an, an interesting insight. And Ben, he didn't go d- deep on that in the intro, but in a podcast interview that I, I well, not a podcast interview, a an interview that he did with the, the CEO of Lyft, he went deeper in there because the CEO of Lyft was pushing on him like, what do you mean? And Ben's on the board of Lyft, by the way. And, and he was asked about, well, what do you mean You're rewarded for not caring? He says, well, take the example of one employee who works really hard, innovates, trying to come up with solutions in a company, and yet he or she makes the same amount of money or gets the same um, blanket pay increase or the same treatment by the organization as the employee that's kind of just playing. In fact, the example he uses is playing video games, wasting away their time. Have you seen this? Are you seeing any of this in organizations right now in the middle of everybody working from home? The employees that are innovating and racking their brains and trying to be part of the solution. Uh, is, is your organization or is the organization or the leader rewarding that? Or are they rewarding the person who seems to, as I've talked about in the last few episodes, just kind of checked out? I'll be back. I'll be back fully engaged once COVID's over. Once that vaccine's around and business kind of gets back to normal, I'll be back fully 
engage. But right now, I'm just going to go. If you need me, call me. You know, they don't say it that brazen because they know it would negatively affect their employment. But wow, I thought that was so interesting. Employees either get rewarded for caring or not caring. And why? the reason it stood out to me is, yeah, we really do. We really do in some organizations, on some leaders, and some teams, reward people who don't care, who aren't doing anything really different or innovating or trying. And we actually do punish people in some organizations. I have seen it. I've experienced it. I've observed it in, in, in organizations that I consult. We punish or we do not reward those that are try, they're raising their hand. Have you ever felt that, man? It's, it's painful when you feel that, when you experience it, if you've ever had that experience. Okay, I'm over my limit on the length of <laughs> the, length of the podcast. Again, um, if you haven't subscribed yet, tap on the subscribe button. You'll get more episodes like this. Trying to put out two episodes every week. My schedule right now is like Monday and Wednesday. That's what I'm shooting for. Two episodes a week. I'm kind of proud of myself for doing a better job of it. I'd love your feedback. Subscribe. Tap on the subscribe button if you aren't already. And that will just make sure that each week's or each episode, the two episodes every week are downloaded automatically to your phone so you can listen to them whenever you've got time. And uh, I'd love to hear any feedback you have, especially on the length. If you've got a comment on that, I'd love to hear it. Just direct message me on LinkedIn. Have a great week, everybody. Stay healthy. Choose optimism. And uh, and I hope you're developing yourself, investing in yourself. So when the economy turns around, when things start to rebound, you are in the water on the surfboard ready to ride that wave. Don't go over on the shore right now and hang out. Just wait for, you know, I'm going to wait for the right wave to come back in because the economy just kind of sucks right now. And that, that, that's true for a lot of us in a lot of our industries. It's not true for everybody, but this is a great opportunity to develop. There's so many good books. There's so many good podcasts. There's so much out there, online courses, stuff like Andy Grove. And I'm only sharing a little bit. You all, 117 highlights in this book, and I just shared three. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.